Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today the lovely, talented, and wonderful Sarah Wood returns to have a political discussion with me. Um, we do talk about Miranda at the start of the show, so I'm just going to be real brief about this because I did go into more detail. Um, this is the last Miranda update because on Friday she left, and it was a sad time. So um, I do talk about that with Sarah and provide the details. Uh, don't want to get into it right now because I don't want to cry. So I only cried a little bit, but she's gone. And, um, you know, I, 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 I just, uh, I, I said it in the main show, but I'm just going to say it again. I'm really grateful and, and appreciative of all the lovely caring messages that I've received Um you know, it's always tough. So there's that. Uh, Sarah and I, of course, we, you know, we do talk about that, but we talk about politics because, oh my God, there's so much fucking shit going on. And Trump is such a crazy fucking lunatic right now. And he was so humiliated as Tulsa rally. So we, we get into all of that. I do want to make sure everybody knows, number one, I am taking off next week. I kind of wish it could have been this week. It would have been more ideal, but I think I might have just cried the whole time. So it's probably better that I have to work, but um, we're going to do a show on Wednesday with Brooklyn Dad Defiant. He's he's going to be an interesting and fun interview. I know he's recently been on the Stephanie Miller show at least a couple of times. And, you know, I follow him on Twitter. He's great. He's fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to talking to him. Also uh, going to be talking with Stephanie for patrons only on Thursday. Now, I want to be really clear about this because I, you know, I often, I usually start with the whole start me up thing as patrons only, but I want to remind everybody with, uh, I'm sorry, start me up is supported by listeners. You know what I'm trying to say. I got a lot on my mind. Anyway, um, I just want to be clear that this is the very last month where if you're supporting the show for anywhere between $1 and $4. This is the last month that you get both of the patrons only shows. Starting in July, if you are if you are signed up as a $1 patron, 2, 3 or $4 patron, you're only going to get one patrons only show per month. If you're signed up for the $5 tier, you will get both patrons only shows. And again, that's usually where I have it's it's Steph, but it might be David Ferguson, T-Rex. Um, sometimes it's going to be Sarah Wood. Sometimes it'll just be me by myself. But the whole deal is those shows are usually more personal. Today, we definitely, uh, Sarah and I got into some personal, but we talked about politics. And then, of course, the show on Wednesday with David Ferguson, that was all kinds of personal. And, you know, it was just kind of fun to take. I, I was glad I got... Um, people commented about how they enjoyed it. And I know that it's not something I'm going to do all the time. But I just kind of wanted to see where David and I were going to go without too much preparation. And I knew we were just going to talk about whatever. And we did. And it was fun. And I think, you know, judging from the comments that I received, most people enjoyed the show. And it's something that, you know, I'll definitely throw in every once in a while just for something different and just for something fun. But let's just get to it. That Start Me Up is supported by listeners. And so, you know, I don't, I don't take corporate money. I don't have any advertisers and I'd love to just avoid them altogether. But if a good advertiser comes along, then I'm going to go with them. But I, I haven't found one yet. Anyway, um, basically the deal is, uh, if you like the show, consider becoming a monthly subscriber for any dollar amount. You just go to patreon.com slash start me up. You can see all the different tiers 
and you can take a look at some the about section, some of the past guests that I've had. I do interviews. Um, sometimes I interview actors and I just talk about their craft. Most of the time, though, I whether it's an interview or a discussion, it's politics being discussed, politics or social issues like feminism or Black Lives Matter or something like that. But it's basically just, you know, it's it's a the show is more, in my opinion, a conversation, like an easygoing conversation, even if it's an interview. So if you like the show, like I said, go to patreon.com slash start me up, check out the tiers and support the show. If you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can also check out the text of my Patreon description and you'll find my PayPal information and you can do a one-time payment. Some people like doing that. I, I love all of it. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. But please, please go to the iTunes or Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber. It's totally free. And while you're there, if you like the show, give me a good review and give me a good rating. That helps with the uh, Apple Podcasts algorithms, and it just helps. So for, for those of you who have, thank you so much. And, um, you know, just please do it. All right. Uh, that's it. You know what I didn't do? I, I, I did the outro, which is the end after Sarah left. And what I forgot to do is tell everybody my uh, Twitter. So I'll do that in the beginning. You can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And I, you could also check out my books. I've, I've written books about voting. I did American Woman, the pole dance. I've also written Peyton's Choice, which is a book about teen abortion. And I also did The Virgin Diaries, which is a uh, collection of stories of people who share their first time sex experiences, which is kind of fun. And then the last, I did Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. That's where men sent in stories and talked about how they deal with heartbreak, whether it's divorce or death or losing a, a woman. And the reason I put that book together was because uh, I was having a conversation with a friend and she said, people think men have it easier when it comes to a broken heart. And, and she said, and I don't think it's easier for them. I think it's a little more difficult because society tells women we're allowed to have our, uh, you know, we're allowed to be emotional. Men aren't. And so we really did find that that's the case. You know, the men who wrote in didn't always feel comfortable showing or sharing their emotion, their pain with other people. So I just thought that was, that was a really kind of fascinating little experiment to collect those stories from men and see what they had to say. So anyway, that can all be found on my Amazon page, and that's at Kimberly A. Johnson. So please now enjoy my conversation with Sarah Wood. Welcome back, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're here. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just took a drink of water and got stuck in my throat. Anyway, um, I'm glad you're here uh, because today is a hard day and I knew it would be and I'm glad that you're here because you're comfortable and, you know, I mean, so I'll just go into it right now. So basically, um, you know, my kitty Miranda, I put her down on Friday and mm -hmm. I might cry just know that this is it. This is the last time I'm going to talk about her. This is the last public crying I may have. I'm going to try not to, but you never know. So anyway, um, every, you know, what was happening with her, and I do believe, I mean, I think she had dementia, but I think, some, I know something else was wrong with her. And I don't know what it was. Uh, I felt really good, though, when I did call the vet on Friday, and he explained to me, He's like, look, I haven't seen her, but from everything you're telling me, it sounds like whether it's a kidney issue or a um, liver issue or something like that. He said, we could do tests, you know, but I think that we're just going to, nothing will help her. 
and and he said you're making the right decision and so every day up until friday was okay the nights were not so good um i was keeping her you know relaxed with cbd oil and everything because she would howl and but oh. the, the, and and you know i know that like that's a sign of dementia is that that it's called sundowning literally the sun goes down and they start displaying you know they, they howl and they get lost and confused or lost feeling and confused and restless and, and all those things were were happening and so um she was also obsessively going over to the water dish and she wasn't drinking so much it was just that she would go over take a couple lips licks and leave and i know kidney disease they drink a lot of water she wasn't drinking a lot of water but you know it reminded me of my grandmother who also uh before she passed away she she was diagnosed with cancer and i know she was going through she was just starting dementia and i was with her on her birthday she died in september her birthday was in march and so i remember you know telling her and she was like 81 and i said the, the doctor was talking to her about um, going through chemo and I, I didn't want her to do it. And I, you know, and I said, look, you need to decide what you want to do. You know, I don't know what her three children, my father and aunt and uncle were telling her. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I, I figured maybe they would want to convince her to do it. So her life would be prolonged, but she was 81. And I just thought, I, I said, you've lived your entire life serving everyone and you need to decide what you want to do for you if you don't if you want to have the chemo then have the chemo but if you don't want it don't have it if somebody wants you to have it do what you want so so that whole night she kept getting up obsessively and going and looking at the chemo paperwork just like you know miranda kept going to the water dish and so um you know like i said every day including thursday her the during the days she was actually getting a little better in that she was staying with me through the work day she wasn't hiding and you know then nightfall would come and she would start behaving differently and it was worrisome and every night I felt sick to my stomach every night and um so finally on Friday uh I when I woke up she had diarrhea and she was crying and she was upset and I remember I was talking to Bob and you know, Bob was like, well, maybe we should just wait until Monday. And then it just seemed like within the hour, it was getting worse. She threw up. And so I thought, no, I'm not waiting through the weekend. And so it was, it was getting bad. So I called, I got this doctor who said he would come out and, oh my God, you know, it's so fucking expensive. Um, It was like $465 to, to have her put down at home. And, you know, I mean, I, I wanted her to be put down at home and I just, I, I figured I don't care about the cost, but I know a couple of years ago, my mom had to put her cat down and it was around 350. And so, um, he quoted me like 350 just to like put her down and, and then I'd have to keep her body and dispose of it. And, um, and then he said, and then if you want me to take the body, it's 400 and something. And then he said, if, and then that would be like a mass cremation. And then he said, uh, you know, or I could do a cremation where it's just her and, and you could keep the ashes. And it's like, I mean, I know some people like to do that. Bob has the ashes of his dog, but for me, I don't need it. I, I just feel like the body is just a vehicle for the soul. And I, I don't need to have that. Anyway, so, you know, throughout the day, it, you know, I, it, the guy didn't come until seven something at night. And um, so the whole day I was with her and, you know, it was really hard because she was failing and it was clear like she 
she what she was on the living room rug and she went to go toward her water dish and she almost fell and oh. you know so it was so sad so there was this one moment like I, I just she didn't really want me around her but I I would stay with her constantly and I picked her up and I put her in this blanket and I just sat there for like an hour and a half and I talked to her and it was so beautiful because it was like she wasn't exhibiting the pain symptoms that she was exhibiting while we were talking and or I was talking to her and she was looking at me and expressive and giving me the love face and um, and even though it was clear that she was failing she still had life in her and she still had like she'd still jump down on her own so um, you know jump down to get water because she was obsessing about it and um, you know she vomited a couple times that day until nothing would come out which was like really sad but you know, so he when he came and uh, and he saw her, he said, you know, absolutely, this is the best choice that you're making. And I guess she was losing muscle mass and her veins were collapsing. So it was, I'm so glad that we made that decision, that I made the decision on Friday. And I think with Bob, he was just so desperately not wanting to say goodbye. And so, um, you know, it was, it was like what you would imagine. She was on my bed and um, it was sad, but I was happy to see that she was no longer suffering. So yeah. now I'm the one who's suffering. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no, this I knew this was going to happen, but there's no other kitty for me to cuddle with right now. And so, but it's very sweet because Bob is um, talking about, already talking about getting another cat. And I, we're not going to get one right away um, because the deal is, you know, Miranda was neurotic and she was a peer. And when she got really stressed out, she would she would urinate outside the litter box. And I, I was able to, like, fix her, you know, fix that. Uh, she was doing it in December. And I, I got her to stop. And so, um, anyway, if I were to bring her to my mother's house, like, if I was going to go on a vacation or something, I know she'd pee. So this whole time that, you know, she's been with us, it's like we can't really go anywhere. So what I want to do is when we get a kitten, I want to bring that kitten over to my mom's house so that the kitten can get acclimated to my mom's cats. But I don't want to do that during COVID. And, mm, you know, because yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm really trying to be safe. And um, so anyway, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but Bob keeps bringing it up and he's like, well, should we get a kitten before or after Christmas? And, and he goes, I think it should be after because of the tree. And it's like, I don't know when we're going to get a cat. We, we might just fold. But um, anyway, so that's that's the story. You know, I mean, it was 16 years and I, I, I feel like everything happened the way it should have. You know, she had a very good life and rarely went to the vet and she had a, an exciting life and had all different kinds of cat friends and people friends and so I just want you know I'm really looking forward to the day that I can tell Miranda stories without feeling sorrow you know yeah and, and, then, it, and yeah. it'll happen yeah but give yourself the time to yeah. to grieve yeah it's just so fucking hard you know I mean I think in, I know I think in terms of um are you familiar with Natalie Weaver she she uh, has the daughter who had the severe facial deformities. Yes, yeah. yes, I do. Yeah, um, I, I am. I think about her, and I mean, I don't want to compare my situation. I have a cat that lived for 16 years, and that was the point. I, I think of her, though, and, and how hard this is for me, and I think 
God. I can't even imagine what it must be like for her because her daughter lived to be 10 years old and Mm. the entire time, you know, she was, um, not only was she having to care for that child, all the special needs that, that had to go into it, but she had to deal with online hatred and people saying horrible things about her daughter, people telling her to kill her daughter and, um, you know, and I, and I and I think of her, and I feel like you know I have sorrow and I have pain, but it's nothing what m- she must be going through. And I and I just tried to remind myself of how fortunate you know I am to have had a situation where everything went well. But it's like death feels like a punishment. That's just yeah. you know it's not it's not a punishment, but it really feels like one because some you love someone so much, and um, and then they're gone. You know, yeah, I think I think perspective is important when we think about these things. But at the same time, it's still very painful Mm -hmm. for you to to compare your situation to someone else's is is um, I know I shouldn't compare, but but I mean, no, no, no. I'm just saying it's like it's okay for you. It's like don't feel guilty about grieving because of someone else's situation might be worse or or um, seemingly harder. Um, cause I, I mean, I've had pets that we've had to put down and like that were 16, 15 years old and, yeah. and it, it's, it's the worst pain because they're, cause they're a member of your family yeah. and you've loved them for so long and it, you feel like you've lost like a child. Like, I yeah. mean, it's, it's a pet, it's not right. a child, but it is that grief. Yeah. And, and I know exactly yeah. what I, yeah, I've, I know exactly what you're going through. And you know, the funny thing is that it's not funny, but I mean, Prior to this happening, I mean, I knew this day would come and I kind of didn't want to say anything on social media, but I can't not. And, and the reason I didn't want to say anything is because of all the messages and all of the comments, because each time you get an alert, uh, it's a reminder each, you know, each message, each, each but at the same time, it, it helps because it's a, it, it helps you memorialize them. It helps you grieve them. It helps the process. And so, um, of course, I put it on social media. It's, it's like what everybody does now. And as much as it's a hard, harsh reminder, it, it, it you know, people will message. I mean, you messaged me, and I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I had some really sweet messages. And it's something we all go through. And it's something we all, under, most of us anyway, who have pets, uh, you know, we all understand this. And, you know, normally when I'm scrolling down my, my feed and I see somebody posting about losing their pet, it, like, kills me. I I, I get so sad because we can all empathize and we can all, you know, we've all been there. And, um, but, uh, at the same time, it it is something that we can all, you know, everyone knows that it's a very specific kind of pain. And, um, you know, so understanding that, you know, we're not alone. And I, I, I in no way wanted to diminish Natalie. I just, you know, I, I just, I think of her and I think, I think of her often and I see her tweeting and I, you know, I mean, she was on the show and um, the love that she had with Sophia, her daughter, was so incredible. It was so beautiful and so incredible. And I, I you know, she she writes about grief and um, and I think of her often and, and the struggles. And it's like, yeah, I, I know that my experience is a different one. And I and I'm not necessarily feeling guilt about it, but I try to remind myself that there are other, you know, there are other situations out there that are, are much harder so that even though. Um, I am going to let myself grieve. I grieve. I don't. I don't want to get so wrapped up in it that I turn it into to something unhealthy, you know. And and I think that the the, <coughs> um, the the situation with COVID and with uh, 
the fact that there aren't, you know, I don't have another animal right now to help me get through this. It makes it even harder and it hurts, yeah. it hurts even a little more because, you know, my, I had this kitty for 10 years. Well, I had Pearl and then she was 10 years old and I got Miranda. And when Pearl died, I had other animals and it was easier for me. Not that it was easy, but it was, it was easier because I could grab onto Miranda and I could hug her and I could love her. And it's like, I don't have that now. So anyway, um, I know that, you know, each day it's going to ease up a little bit and um, eventually it will get to that point where I get to tell stories about her and laugh and, um, and feel good. And, you know, and I just will also want to say to you and everybody who said nice things and tweeted and messaged me, thank you um, for your concern and thank you for letting me, you know, talk about this whole thing because it's been going on for like a month and a half and it's been really stressful. This has been the most stressful experience I've had with a pet. And it started with her bowel blockage in May. And I just think that whatever, whatever triggered that, she never overcame it. And that's, uh, that's what took her. And, um, but I'm fortunate to have had her for that long and for the most part, a very happy and full life. So RIP Miranda, I love you. <laughs> anyway, so now we can just talk about the batshit crazy president. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a swing in, that's a swing in topics. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Okay. I mean, where to begin? I guess with the rally. I mean, he, feel, uh. he feels humiliated <laughs> and it shows. It's, it's, it's very, the fact that they had to, like, they were expecting so many people that they created an overflow <laughs> stage and, and waiting area and that they had to start breaking, they started breaking down the stage before he even came to the main stage. Yeah. Like that is just humiliating. Yeah. And he knew and, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just like they were like, we're gonna have three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, one million, and I'm and I'm just like, do you even have like a million people in Tulsa, like in the surrounding region? Right. Like, like what the hell? Like, who are you expecting to show up? You know, it was so fucking awesome. And you know, the thing is, is he was so desperate about his uh, inaugura inauguration crowd size. You know, he was so embarrassed about that and tried to make everybody believe it was bigger better than it was and you know now um he can't deny this i mean and they're trying to fucking blame it on aoc and <laughs> you know and they're, they're so pathetic and it's it's really sad though because as much as we mock them for being lame they are so dangerous and they definitely oh. you know they're definitely effective when it comes to destroying things but it's like oh my god they are so inept and and such fucking losers well, Trump is the kind of guy who he he's an he's he's an abusive guy, yeah. and he's the kind of guy that if he got embarrassed or someone embarrassed him, yeah. he would he would react in a retaliate like yes. retaliatory way, and he would he'll he'll do something that's really dangerous. Yeah, he's that, and, and he's, he's yeah. going to he's absolutely yeah. going to. So that's why I'm like, you know what? I don't care if he has his rallies. Let them have their white supremacist rallies. <laughs> yeah. Go and like talk amongst yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like the COVID aspect of it. I think right. it's. I think they're stupid for having these rallies and not requiring proper space. <laughs> they had proper space, by the way, but yeah. proper space and <laughs> requiring masks yeah. and and all of that. Um, but because I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, as much as I love to see him embarrassed, I also right. know he's the kind of person yes. that will seek retaliation and could do something very harmful to, you know, to many communities. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I probably would prefer that he thinks he's winning 
because if he thinks he's winning, he's going, you know, I mean, let him have the shock of his life on November 3rd or 4th or whatever it's going to be. Um, but, you know, that's not going to happen. He's we, we are in such tumultuous times and it, and and people, you know, I mean, I was talking to my mother about him this morning and she said something like she felt sorry for him. And I said, I don't. But you know what? She convinced me. I kind of do feel sorry for him because he was raised by two such horrible people. He never he was never properly loved. I know his brother committed suicide and, you know, Trump never was taught love and was never sufficiently loved. And it, as a result, a monster was created. This this malevolent, narcissistic mobster, Mm -hmm. you know, came out of this. And because he didn't get love and because he wasn't treated like a normal person and a normal kid, um, we're all paying that fucking price. And, you know, he's able to let kids die in cages. He's able to say, let's not test and people will die and I don't give a shit. And so, so when I f- say I feel sorry for him, it doesn't mean that, oh, poor Trump. It's not like that. But it's like that man was robbed of, of human decency and love. And, as a, and, and now he's the fucking president. And we all have to pay for that. Yeah. People are paying for that with their lives. Absolutely. He doesn't care as long as it doesn't happen to him personally. He doesn't care about what happens to anyone else. He has no empathy. No. He only thinks about himself and what's happening to himself at any specific moment. Like when he was a child, like I think the older, his older brother was the favorite child. Yeah. He he was by his, by his father. And then Trump has always been vying for his father's love and doing, doing things. And like, you can see throughout his childhood, you can see throughout his whole career, how he's just, he's so toxic mm-hmm. and he's so like such a malignant narcissist. Yeah. Just doesn't, he doesn't care who's in his way. He doesn't care that, you know, he might be using shoddy materials yeah. on a project. He doesn't care that he's using undocumented labor and then going after undocumented immigrants. Right. Yeah. He doesn't care as so long as it's serving mm-hmm. him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He doesn't care that he doesn't pay his contractors that build his things. He's like, well, you serve my purpose. I don't, you know, you figure it, you figure it out. Yeah. Like he's just, he's a hor he is a horrible human being. And I do, I do agree that he wasn't, he wasn't raised properly. Yeah. And that's, this goes to show that raising children properly is very important. (laughs) I mean, that's what I have my, that's what actually what I have my degree in is, is, is child, child development. (laughs) Well, and also that like he lusts after his own daughter. I mean, something is so wrong with him. And I, I, you know, I mean, like I wonder if he had had a normal upbringing um, with parents that were good parents. I mean, sure. Every parent makes mistakes, but I mean, just normal parents who loved him. I wonder, you know, I mean, would he have been, a, a terrible man or would he would he be a good man we'll never know but yeah. um you know he was clearly raised with a racist father and uh just a terror you know a terrible up- i mean there was this there's this guy i can't remember his name but he does videos on famous people and he he did and, and if they have anything to do with politics it's always a non-partisan take and so he went through Trump's childhood and I remember him talking about the fact that when Trump was in school, he, you know, he had given, he had been given some authority and basically Trump just doled out that authority to other people and would sit on his bed and dick around. Hello. (laughs) What he does now. And, um, you know, and it's like, he just, he's God, he's just so awful. And then you look at 
Derp Jr. And I think they have so much in common and that, you know, Derp, oh, absolutely. Derp, Derp yeah. is chasing, and I just always call him Derp, but he's always chasing after his father's love. And, you know, I, I, I do find there's, there's a lot of people I know who um, really, 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 there's something about a father's love and a father's acceptance that is so important to people. I mean, I'm sure specifically to sons, but I mean, as a, as a, as a woman who chose to, you know, I mean, when, when I was 20, I don't know how old I was. I can't remember how, 19, I can't remember 20. I decided that I was going to stop going to college and I was going to, pursue music videos and commercials and so (laughs) that was my big plan and so I um and at the time I was friends with a dancer and he was and and he had a lot of dancer friends and they were all like working with Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and you know Paula Abdul and, and and all of that so I felt that it was in within my reach and I went you know I lived in California and I went back to Maryland and told my father that I was going to do this. And boy, that was not fun. That was not a fun day. And what was so interesting about that day was we were at the, uh, we were at Bethany beach, which is basically, it's not ocean city, but it's kind of, I guess it's close enough to ocean city. So my, my father and stepmother would always get like a, a condo at Bethany beach and um, we'd spend our summers there. So anyway, I was, he was driving me, uh, back from Bethany Beach, it was just the two of us, and we were driving to, I guess, the airport, which was really far away, you know, three or four hours. And after I, you know, dropped this, this was not the news he wanted to hear, that his daughter was quitting college so she could be in music videos and commercials. And um, so I basically got an earful for th- like three hours. He He never did this before, but he told me all about his experiences in Vietnam. Nothing sad. He didn't go into the awful stories, but he told me about things that he did and things that he was in charge of and, and how they survived. And I thought that was so interesting and fascinating. But um, I, I knew he didn't approve of my choice. And he would always say to me, you know, well, did you ever think about going to college for acting? And I, at that point, I had, I had moved on from thinking that it was just going to be, you know, music videos to going and studying acting at an acting studio and learning Meisner technique. But I, you know, I didn't want to go to college for that. I, I, I was happy where I was. And I felt that, um, that I was always disappointing him in, in choosing, you know, a, a life that's creative and not, not one of these things where you get a paycheck and you get, um, you know, like a regular paycheck and insurance and all that. And so I feel like the father's, approval is so important to people and again with sons and so like here Trump has this issue with his brother being the favorite and not getting properly loved boy that fucked him up so bad I mean he's like one of the worst yeah it, it all stems back to proper parenting and the fact that like a lot of parents like to live their own dreams through their children yeah And when, or they have a plan for their children in their life, like they see them, you know, getting married, having a job, having this career, like a lot of, a lot of people have deal with that, you know, if they're, if their parents want them to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, or like with my parents, it was like, I broke my mother's heart knowing that I wasn't going to like have a husband and have kids. Like it was like this dream they like manufactured in their own heads. 
And I think when you're given, like, I have a really good experience with my father where he's always been very supportive of whatever I choose to do. He didn't care that I was gay. Like, he yeah. didn't he didn't say two words about it. He was just like, all right. Um, <laughs> and he's the minister, which of all things. Hmm. And he um, he's always been very supportive. He's always liked my partner. Um, oh. and That's awesome. Yeah, and I was like one of those ones. I was a, I was creative too. I was a sax yeah. player, and I moved right. to LA, and I <laughs> did side gigs, and I did all those things. And it was always like, you know, whatever makes you happy. Like you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna get through this, and like, you follow your dreams. It's your life. Right. And I think that I think, and I'm very fortunate, and I'm fully admit that I'm very fortunate that that was my mm-hmm. situation. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it isn't. Yeah. Well, so I, I think, think that, I think my dad was trumped. Yes. <laughs> and with my dad, I think it more than any, he, it's not that he was disappointed in me. He, he, he's very much somebody who worries. I got that from him. He's a warrior. And he also, um, he let, he wanted me to have security. He wanted me to have, um, you know, I, I know that he's so, he loves Bob. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny because Bob and my dad have a lot in common as far as their senses of humor. Um, and so I knew my dad would like him as soon as they met. But um, so he's very grateful that I that I have Bob in my life because, you know, I didn't really have a boyfriend until I was 47 years old. So, um, I you know, I, I, I don't know if they I, I always wondered if my family thought I was gay and hiding it from them. <laughs> and it was like, And I even said to my dad, see, I'm not gay, not, you know, and of course, I didn't mean it like I thought gay was a bad thing. But I just really I thought, OK, Kimberly has been single her whole life. She's just gay and not telling us. But I mean, I, we have fucking gay relatives and nobody gives a shit in my family. You know, it's like nobody cares everybody everybody loves everybody and and thankfully i have um a pretty tolerant family you know what i mean it's like most of them are liberal there's only one who isn't liberal and he's a conservative but he's kind of like i guess he would be like a never trumper conservative and he doesn't he doesn't give a shit about if you're gay or what you know he just doesn't care so yeah. so that that was fortunate but it was like my dad really liked Bob, but I just, he just worried about me because I, you know, I, and, and, and then I got like, you know, I left acting and I got sales jobs, but I was never, um, secure in those sales jobs because I think partly because I just didn't want to work for other people. I just, I, I can do it, but I don't do my best, you know, and the, the, the best time I ever had, well, I had two decent times where the first outside sales job and I chose outside sales specifically I always wanted a job where I didn't have to check in at an office that I could literally just work from home and the first job that I ever had was great because I sold um, coffee and tea related accessories and it was basically bone china and then hand-painted ceramics so um, it was a very limited kind of audience like you could I couldn't really build on what had already been established because like you've got Main Street and you've got five stores on Main Street maybe you can get into two or three of those stores but they all have to order different things because they don't want to compete and have the same merchandise in every store excuse me so my territory when i inherited it had already basically you know gone as far as it could and so it was like the easiest job in the world because i just um in december i didn't have to i didn't have to really work I, i i would work until 
till like the 15th of December. But by then, everybody had already ordered for Christmas and they didn't want to see me because they were like really busy. And then I didn't really work at all in January with the exception of like four days because we had a gift show. And when you have a gift show, nobody, they sold through all their Christmas stuff and now they're, they're holding their money and they're waiting to go to the gift show. So all I'd have to do is make some calls and go, hey, our booth number is this at the gift show, show up and, you know, and then I'd have lots of sales and it would all come at once and then I didn't have to work for the rest and the same thing happened in, in July because we'd have gift shows. So it's like I'd have like two months or two and a half months where I really didn't have to do anything. <laughs> it's like so easy. That's nice. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. And then, you know, and then I worked uh, for this that I've talked about it before, but like an industrial chemical company, totally different story. And I did have to really work for that. But it was fun. It was like, a you know, I'd be driving along like in Northridge. Uh, this, this happened one day. I was driving along in Northridge and I was like, I don't know where to go. I got to find somebody. And I see this city, like a city truck. So I start following the city truck until they stop. And then I get out and I'm, and I'm, you know, and I'm like wearing my skirt and my open toed shoes and my dangly earrings. And I'm like, hi, where's your city yard? And then they would tell me where the city yard was. And I would go meet the guy there and maybe get an order. It was like a scavenger hunt. It was like really a fun job, but I didn't have to check into the office. And it's like, as long as I didn't have to play by very specific rules set by someone else, if I was given freedom, I could do it. But it was always, it was always a struggle for me. And, um, I just never fit into regular working life. And so I think my dad worried a lot about me. You know what I mean? Like he, he was concerned because he just, all he wanted was for me to be safe and secure. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to wing it. And I, I, I know I fucking drive him crazy, you know? So I think he's like so happy now that I'm in a relationship with Bob and, and he, I think he feels that I have some security now, you know? So it's, yeah. it's not that I was fighting for his love or his approval. It's just, and I know he's very proud of what I do right now, but it's like, I think he was, I made him nervous. You know, I was just, I'm more like my mom and my mom is, I, I'm actually a combination of both of them, but it's like my mom is much more adventurous and risk, she's more of a risk taker. So I'm kind of in between that. <laughs> I get that. No. <laughs> so, um, but you know, uh, going back to Trump, I do think though our mocking is getting to him, and um, I agree with you that it's not necessarily going to bode well for us because we're going to experience his rage, and God only knows what that means. You know. And oh, did you hear about? Okay, you've heard about those fireworks. Yeah, I've actually had some in my area, too, where I'm like, what the heck is going on? Well, listen to Kristen Johnston had tweeted out, like, this is a really interesting thread. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it so you'll get the gist. Uh, reporting from Brooklyn, there was yet another night of extremely loud fireworks starting at 8 p.m. And, and ending at about 2 a.m. This second week straight of this, every night during the same period, like clockwork. Last night was the loudest I've ever heard. Uh, let's see. Neighbors, and I believe this is part of a coordinated attack on black and brown communities by government forces, an attack meant to disorient and destabilize the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, the goal, we think, is multifaceted. 
One, sleep deprivation as a means to create confusion and stoke tensions between black and brown peoples. Two, uh, desensitization, desensitization uh, as a means to get us so used to the sounds of firecrackers and other fireworks that when they start using their real artillery on us, we won't know the difference. It's meant to sound like a war zone because in a war zone, uh, a war zone is what it's about to become. Um, we think this is psychological warfare, the first wave before whatever the next stage of attack is. So, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but yeah. it's an interesting theory. And it's weird because it's like all of a sudden, why is this happening? Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah, like I don't I don't understand. It doesn't make it. It doesn't make any sense. Like we're, I, we are close to the 4th of July and I know where I right. am. They are selling fireworks in yeah. the stores, but it's not the typical, like you hear one here and you right. hear one there. It's definitely seems uh, more coordinated yeah. and coming from areas that you didn't normally hear it from. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Like it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make it's, sense. It's really, I mean, I haven't heard any, Oh, I have to go back because I, I want, I for, I wanted to say this and I completely forgot. And I mean, I don't know what this means, but I'm just going to tell the little story. So on Friday, while Miranda was still alive, it was so weird because I remember um, just, you know, while she was with me, I thought I knew she would be gone by the evening. And I, and I thought, we're going to have a power outage. And, and in my head, it was like related to her. I, I, I didn't, you know, and I asked her specifically, I said, if you could come visit me, I guess, please come visit me if you can. If you can let me know that you're okay, I really want to know. And and then I had this thought that we would have a power outage and that somehow it would be related to her, but I didn't have a specific thought that, oh, it's going to be her telling me, whatever. So anyway, just to go back, a couple of, last week we had a extremely violent um, electrical storm and it was right over us. And I mean, I was convinced we were going to lose power and we never lost power. So anyway, on Friday night, there was a storm, but it was off in the distance. You could tell. I mean, you, you couldn't hear the thunder, and you could see that there was lightning, but it was far away. And then all of a sudden, our power goes out, and then it comes back on, and then it goes back out, and then it comes back on, and then it goes back out, and then it stayed out, and then the weirdest fucking thing happened, because I've, I've never had that experience in an electrical storm where, you're, where your power keeps going out and then coming back on and then going out. But then what happened was there's we have one light behind the television and it's a little one and that one and one in bob's office started flickering while everything else was black there i saw the outside there was also another light flickering but all the other lights were out so it's like hmm. i don't know what the fuck was going on i don't know if it was like somebody messing around you know at the electric company trying to do whatever and it was but it was just so weird because usually what happens is the power goes off and then it comes back on. Maybe it'll go off and come back on a couple of times, like, you know, but not like that. I had never seen anything like that. So it's just kind of, you know, it's like, do I yeah. think it was Miranda? I really don't. I don't know. Aww, but maybe. I, yeah. but I like to believe that that's possible. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's like an extra current left in one of those lights and maybe, maybe it was her. Yeah. Maybe it was her just saying, hey, I'm okay. I hope so. Yeah. But that was like the weirdest thing. You know, I mean, people are, I've told some people and they're like, it's her. And it's like, I don't know. I'd love to believe it. You know, I, and, and, and I just never, I will never know. But, well, you know, it was just kind of an interesting experience. Well, as far as like, this is my beliefs and like, I'm not super religious, yeah. but as far as my beliefs, I believe that like, 
energy can be neither created nor destroyed. Right. It just shifts, right. moves. So like we are, our body is completely, and all animals' bodies are all just yeah. electrical circuits and synapses just constantly firing. Yeah. So when we, if, if, when we move on, that energy has to go somewhere. Right. So it's not out of, so honestly, it, it really could be her. It could. Well, the, the, the question I always have is like, um, you know, we have souls. I believe animals have souls. Some people say Absolutely. they don't, but I totally believe they do. Um, but, but like, our, is the soul connected to the energy? That's what I, I wonder about. Like, you know, because I do think, you know, I mean, I've, I've had experiences in my life where I believe, I asked my grandmother to visit me, and I, I genuinely believe she did. I will never prove it. You know, that's it's it, it that to me falls under the um, more to life than meets the eye category. So it's like, you know, we only know so much, but there there are things that happen that can't necessarily be explained when we have premonitions or intuitions and all of that. And it's like, how did I know that was coming? It's just like th I had this thought that the power was going to go out. Oh, and the weirdest thing was when Bob looked on the phone to see where the power outage was. It was literally only our neighborhood. And oh, wow. and the uh, the uh, the storm was not over us, so it was so weird because and it's like it was just this little dot. So it was it was probably like our street, you uh -huh. know. It was like our little the where where we live, and it's like, huh, that's so weird. But anyway, um, you know, I, I just don't know if the soul is a t because yes, energy, like you said, it just takes a different form. So um, it, it it continues to exist. And it, it's not created or destroyed. So, you know, but does it have a soul attached to it? And, you know, I mean, I like to, I really do like to believe that my grandmother, I asked her, please visit me. I asked both my grandmothers and I, I feel like the one, my, my paternal grandmother, I feel like she did. My maternal grandmother, I'm not sure. I didn't get that definitive, yes, I feel like it was her. There was one thing that happened and it, it was, it was so you know, it's basically, I, I could smell this one night, I was in my bedroom, and I could smell Jean Nate, which is what she wore. It was like the only thing she wore. And, it, and I had, you know, my, my living room window and my bedroom window were kind of right next to each other. But when I went into the living room, I didn't smell it. And so I don't know. I mean, there was an older lady living below me. And for all I know, she had Jean Nate and she put it on and it came up through the window. I don't know. But I, I never felt that like, yeah, my, that, my mom's grandma visited me. But my mom felt that she visited her. So, you know, uh, who knows? I like, yeah. to, I like to play around with all of that because it's like, it, I think it's like a way to deal with death. You know, I know. I believe it. My, my wife has a, a music box that was her grandfather's and it's broken. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And then literally when her family would come her and her grandpa passed away and then when her family would come visit no lie it would chime that's so weird right and I, I, it's like i we can't ex like there's no yeah. explanation other than the fact that like we, we have to believe that like her it's her grandfather right yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's like that gives you, I mean, because death is so final and it feels so stark. So it's nice to think that their energy is still around and that their energy is somehow connected to you, even if you don't recognize it. And that was like, I had this dream that my grandmother, you know, came to me in a dream. I had been, I had been begging, Grammy, please, please, please do something, knock something off my dresser. And, you know, and, and, and nothing because like she had died. And I think that she had died in September, excuse me. And then by December, I'm like, 
I hadn't, nothing happened. And so this night I was, you know, before I was going to bed, I was like, please, please. And just nothing happened. And I went to bed that night and she, it was like, it was like her face was in front of me. It was kind of blurry and she was talking, but it was like that Charlie Brown teacher sound or whatever. It was like, I didn't know what she was like. And, um, so I woke up from that dream and I thought, hmm, maybe that was her saying, look, I'm here, but it's not in the way that we, you know, that you're used to and that, you know, it's a, just a different kind of an experience now. And so I just, I just took it to mean that. And that's basically it. I think there were a couple of little things that happened with birds and, um, you know, and I, and I, I thought that was her, but, um, you know, outside of that, and then it just stopped. You know, I never, I never had any other experiences, but it, it is, it, it's nice to kind of hold on to that and, and think because, you know, you want to be feeling close to people that you've loved and lost. And so. Exactly. And even if, okay, so even if it, none of it's real, right. even if none of it's real, it still makes us it feels feel connected good. and yeah. feel close and feel good. Yeah. And there's no harm in that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, um, okay, so let's get back to some politics. So first of all, are you going to read Mary Trump's book? I don't, I mean, I should, I guess. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm yeah. dying to read it. I mean, I don't, do you think it's yeah. going to hurt him? Like, I don't think it's going to hurt him. I think nothing that, hurts him. Right. <laughs> I don't think, well, the thing is his base is his base. Like there's like mm-hmm. 38% of the country yeah. that likes him and that's not going to change. It's the fact, so the only way we're never going to change their minds yeah. either. So the only way we're going to hurt him is by showing up to the polls and yes. actually voting. And they're going to do, and Republicans are going to do whatever they can they're yeah. going to close polling locations yeah. they're they're going to do whatever they can to make sure to try to rig the vote but if we come out with overwhelming right. numbers it's not going to matter and that's what we well, we just need have to, have. to be that's prepared. what's going to hurt trump yeah we have to be prepared to stand okay first of all i read this fucking awful story that um let me see if i can find it i thought yeah Okay, so here it is. This was a Huffington Post article. COVID-19 will rage like a forest fire in the U.S. in a U.S. that has no clear plan to deal with it and has regressed to a dismissive pre-pandemic attitude. A top infectious infectious disease expert said Sunday. So basically, we are going to have a resurgence. And it's probably going to be really (laughs) fucking bad on voting day. And so we all have to be prepared for that. And if you have a mail, you know, if you live in a place that does mail in ballots, I would say really get on top of it if they don't automatically send them out. Because I was reading and I don't I, I don't know if it was New York. I can't remember the state, but somebody was saying that they tried to get they they asked for a mail in ballot and it never came. So. We have to be so on. We have to check our voter registration on the day. I think we need to take screenshots of our voter registrations online. You can find out online and you know mm-hmm. registered as Vote. Democrat or whatever. Vote.org. Yeah, vote.org. And um, you know, and just in case you are at the polls and they're like, we don't have you in the in the registry, have a screenshot available so at least you can you know. And then I think we have to be prepared to stand in social distancing lines for hours. And, you know, I mean, granted, the there are some states, whoever does that kind of drive, like the drive-by, um, where you get you just drive up to the ballot box and then, you, you know, somebody puts it in the box for you, um, that's good too because then if it's raining or something, you don't have to stand out in the rain. But this is going to be 
we do need to vote in numbers too big to ignore, but we are going to be dealing with a huge COVID outbreak at that point. And so we all have to be mentally prepared and we have to be like literally prepared to, to vote in very, because I think just today there was an article or at least a tweet that I saw that in Kentucky for the uh, primary, I think that they initially had like 630 or something like voting um, places and it's it's gone down to a lot less. I can't remember if it was 20 oh, or 200. Yeah, they're closing polling locations all over Kentucky. And what the thing the thing is, it's like they're there and they're closing them in majority minority neighborhoods. Yes. What's what's if they actually wanted to be safe regarding COVID, you would have more polling locations. Right. You would create right. more so you'd have fewer people at each of these locations yes. where you could properly social distance. You wouldn't be so crowded. Yeah. The lines would move faster. So they're doing the opposite mm-hmm. of what they should be doing yeah it's so it's so frustrating because i'm just i feel like it's this they're they're doing it on purpose yes yes they're che- they're cheating they're, yeah. and trump keeps tweeting today about rigged elections yeah and it's like you're rigging the election yeah you know how easy it is to manipulate those digital machines totally. and yeah. like switch votes we need it we need to adopt a system like when i lived in oregon where they mail you your ballot yeah you have time to go over everything you mm-hmm. can choose you either mail it in or you drop it off at a drop box right Right. And then you get, and then when it's tallied, you get a receipt wow. sent to you. Yeah. So it's like there's no, like there's like no voter fraud. Right. It, it, the high, the turnout is incredibly high. Yeah. But that's what they don't want. Right. They don't want high turnout because if there's high turnout, they lose. Yeah. Yep. And they so. all know. They fucking know. And it's like I don't know if you've been following though. What have you been following? What Amy McGrath has been doing with uh, that Booker guy. Not, not specifically. No, so I've, I'm, I have I to hear say, I'm really disappointed in Amy McGrath because, yeah. um, okay, so I think his name is Charles Booker. He's a s- total progressive, right? I mean, he's not yeah. Bernie Sanders, but he's a total progressive. He believes in Medicare for all and all the progressive stuff. He wants the $15 an hour, um, you know, wage. He wants to, you know, he wants the climate stuff, all of it. So, and he's getting, you know, he's doing really well. And he raised a lot of money and he's doing the same kind of um, fundraising that Bernie would do because he, he's not taking it from the big donors and or, you know, like the, the corporate corporations and all of that. So, you know, I mean, she's outraised him by a ridiculous amount of money because she is taking corporate money, which I'm not criticizing her for. I, I think that it's very admirable for somebody to not take that money. Um, yeah. uh, you know, but it's bringing it, it's bringing a knife to a gunfight. It is, but but it's. I hate saying that, but until rules exactly. Change, well, that's the whole point. It's like I you hate. Know, I mean, I honestly, obviously, I like I, the grassroots. Like the way the Booker's doing, the way the Bernie does it is ideal. Obviously, right. But, but it's but yeah. yeah. When you have Trump taking money from Russia or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like they're taking money from anybody, and 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 we're being purists. So it, yeah, I think it should be eventually. It should be um, that it, there should be some kind of cap on what they can spend they get a certain amount of money and that's what they can spend and you know maybe if maybe it can be funded but there's so many fucking ways that they can cheat that but anyway so i guess charles booker and you know what i'm all for people like booker in 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 those kentucky states because if he doesn't get it this time it's just about keep going 
you know, exactly. keep going. And eventually, you know, a lot. Th- there were people who talked, uh, I think it was like in Texas or something, and it was before the midterms, and they were saying, you know, basically Democrats just didn't vote because they didn't feel that they had any power. And so if, if progressives, and, and when I say progressive, I don't mean fringe left. So I will be very specific when I mean fringe left. But it's like progressives will advance. And, and, and it's going to take a little time because especially in these red states where blue voters have felt for so long that it's not even worth it because of the cheating and the gerrymandering and, and all of the conservatives and all of that. Well, over time, people like Charles Booker are going to be able to get enough support and, you know, and convince. And if they, you know, if they are charismatic, like Bernie Sanders was able to go into West Virginia and convince these fucking conservatives that they wanted Medicare for all. So, you know, sometimes you can, you can, you've got those personalities that can really convince people. Yes, we do want this. Um, Right now. I mean, Amy McGrath is, you know, she's obviously more centrist. Um, and the thing that bothered me about her is when Charles posted on Twitter that he had raised almost a million dollars, just grassroots, regular people. And so she quote tweet and she's got like $11 million. So she and right. And, and I think at that point she was polling over him. So she quote tweeted him and said, you know, hey, congratulations. Maybe now you can start paying your people $15 an hour like we do and give them health insurance. And, and the thing is, is who does that benefit when she does that? All that does is piss off the fringe left. And, yeah. you know, and it's like that wasn't the right thing. No. To say. And, and she somebody did, on her comms team messed up there. Yes. <laughs> and then there was another there was another similar tweet. And it was it was kind of like this punching down. And it's like the likelihood is he you know, she has a better chance than he does. And even though she's not my first choice, hey, I'll take her over fucking Mitch McConnell any day. And so, um, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, hopefully we could move to toward a progressive nation overall. And again, not fringe left, but progressive, where people benefit, strong middle class, all of that. And so, um, you know, but it's like, I think she's handling it wrong. And I, I wish that she would just stay out of it because it's it's not a good look for her. And no. I mean I, she should focus on her message exactly. and sell her message and if that's what people want they'll vote for that instead yeah. of trying to tear down yes. your fellow democrat. Exactly. Like that's just that's never a good look. No. Like I, I mean us as like onlookers can tear can like criticize right. yes. different candidates yeah. but when you're the candidate yeah. to be so condescending yeah. I don't I don't like it when I didn't like it like when Hillary would do some stuff yeah. to you like I didn't know I do, I I'm, and I'm an avid Hillary supporter I yeah. don't like the condescension mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't it serves no good and Bernie's right. people did it too yeah. they would be constantly condescending and I'm just like no it's like we're all in this fight together and yeah. when we have that infighting right it, it only serves republicans yeah and it's like be <sighs> be a grown-up about this like we have like you can like your candidate that's great you know push their issues get out the vote get that person elected yeah exactly exactly and it's like she's not doing herself any favors because there might be some really progressive people who love booker and okay if if she gets the you know if she gets the the nomination or whatever it is um not is it the nomination i guess it is um if she gets to be the candidate if she's chosen as the candidate um, she might be turning away some of those people that have yeah. maybe didn't like her so much, but recognize that she's better than McConnell and she's not doing herself any fucking favors. And it's she's like, not doing any of us any no. favors because we need McConnell out as the, and 
Uh, and I think their primary is tomorrow. Oh my so God. they oh my have God. they have some. Um, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you? Okay. There you are. Stupid okay. Source Connect. All right, everybody. <laughs> we just had some technical difficulties, and Sarah got dropped, but she's back. Okay. So yes. So back to. Um, the fact that we, you know, well, I think also, you know, Democrats are already, it's like trying to herd cats in the first place. You know, it's not like we're all lockstep. And um, yeah, we're not Republicans who just, they're <laughs> just like, they just follow their leader and just follow him into a hole. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, we're, I mean, so it's hard enough to get us all uni- united and unified behind one person. So it's like, I really wish that the Democrats would stop this shit and, you know, stop being condescending to each other. It's like, we have this, you know, I really wish that, you know, there, there's, there's the progressive wing and the moderate wing. And, um, as we've talked about, you and I have talked about before, there really isn't that much difference. It's just the understanding that we have to, um, that it's not just Democrats who are voting. We have yeah. Republicans and independents and that we have to make compromises and we understand in order to achieve a certain goal, it's not like we can just go, boom, it's happening. We're getting a 50, you know, it's it just be, and, and it's proof that most of the people in this country believe we need to have common sense gun laws. And look, we still don't. Yeah, that's, a, that's just as like, we all have very similar goals. Like, even like moderate people on the right. Yeah. We all have very similar goals, but we all have, we have a difference of opinion on how to get there. Yeah. And I think, I really think that, that, that centrists for the most part, and I'm not going to speak so broadly, but centrists just understand that you know i'm in order to get something done we need to get everybody on board and and that means a compromise and in order to get a compromise it means time it means figuring it out it means going back and forth about something and so um as much That's as why we, it's called politics <laughs> exactly and it's like as much as we would all love to ha- you know and then there are people who who don't understand how certain things may work, whether it's Medicare for all. I mean, I know, I know Democrats who are afraid of Medicare for all because they, they literally don't understand. And this is the fault of the Democrats, because I think if the Democrats explained it better, um, there would be less fear attached to it. Doesn't mean it would be easier to achieve, but, but I think there would be more public support if everybody understood that they, it, what they, what, like what I hear is I don't want my taxes to go up because they think they're still going to have medical bills. And it's that, like, yeah, it's not, they're going to be end up paying less. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll cost you less to, to, but this scary feeling of, oh my God, you know, I mean, a, a good movie, even though I can't stand Michael Moore anymore, um, you know, is sick, sicko. And he interviewed this doctor in, in England, I believe it was. And, you know, the, he, he was, he was showing everybody this doctor's a really nice, comfortable life, you know, and it's, a, it's, it's a, it's a, Medicare for all state or country and this doctor had a nice home maybe had two cars he wasn't wealthy he wasn't like you know a billionaire or 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 a multi-millionaire but very comfortable life you know and he was just showing everybody it's it's not like it's painted over here you know it's like my aunt goes my aunt who was a Trump supporter um and doesn't understand anything. She, you know, she and her husband, who's who's from Sicily, would go to I, I guess it was Sicily, and they go to this really remote part where there's like nothing. There's no job opportunities. There's just fucking nothing. And if you're sick, I mean, you go, you, you can go to whatever doctor is there, but obviously they're not the best doctors. And of course, it's paid for. 
but she said to me the last time we spoke, she's like, people here don't understand what it's like, you know, when, when, when you're over there, it's like, okay, your little experience in Sicily and like the fucking country boondocks where nobody knows where it even is, is not the same experience as Canada or France or England. You know, it's like, yeah. it's totally different. And my brother, who I would say is a very centrist Democrat, um, very centrist, he could either be like a moderate Republican or a, he's moderate Democrat. I mean, very, you know, he's just very, very conservative in his, um, I think he's liberal when it comes to social issues. But, you know, I know he's he's been in the Navy and, you know, he, I think that he just has like a conservative approach to things. Um but he, I asked him because he lived in Italy and then his wife lived in England and had her daughter in England. Um, they both live here now. But I said to him, what healthcare system do you think is superior, England or the United States? And he said, no question, England. And this is coming from my, I mean, he's not a conservative, but really has conservative viewpoints. And I, and I mean, a small C conservative. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's like people just, they don't understand the benefit. And then they don't, yeah, well, yeah, like this country, we profit off being sick. Like they profit off being sick. Like our, our, not that our healthcare system wants to keep us sick, but sometimes you start thinking that. Like you see, like they're, the more we're sick, the more money people make. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I think, would we have a cure for cancer if the treatment wasn't so profitable? Right. Like I, I, those are where I go. I've lost, I lost my favorite aunt last year to, to cancer. So I, those are the things I think about. I was like, and part of how she got so ill so fast was one of the medicines she had, she reacted poorly to. Mm. So I'm just like, that's where my, like, I, I do have, have those conspiracy thoughts sometimes yeah, of course. but we it's like we're, yeah but over in europe they have more of a like we we can save money by keeping you healthy so mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know right. preventative care there's a lot of like we prevent you from having these illness we prevent mm-hmm. you from having get, like, getting diabetes you mm-hmm. know more cancer awareness like stuff like that like preventative care whereas yeah. like and we have sick care here in the united states where yeah. we we wait until the very last second we wait until something's wrong mm-hmm. to go to the doctor because we know how expensive it's going to be yeah Absolutely. And that's and it's like we have to get out of that front. We have to we have to think more about health care, overall health care mm-hmm. and life care yes. versus um, a for profit sick care system that is just aims at making money off of us whenever we're ill. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I mean, it, as far as. It's, oh, what was I going to say? It just fucking left my mind. Sorry. Um, no, 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 it's not you. It's not you. It's just my, obviously, my mind has a lot going on right now. But I, I, I just feel like I wish our, our, I wish we were less focused on the money making end of it. And that's just the bottom line, you know, because I think, you know, I, I think it goes to the same thing. And, and I talked about this, I think, before on the show, but as far as this whole not wearing a mask business and this whole you're stepping on my liberty bullshit, um, you know, people keep wanting to point their fingers to the MAGA crowd. And it's like, it's not just the MAGA crowd. And no, I feel I feel very vindicated because Bob interviewed um, Rachel Maddow's somebody. I don't know. He works for Rachel Maddow. And he said the same thing. He's like, it's not just the MAGAs. And it's like, I know it's not just the MAGAs because there there was somebody in my life who I recently know, you know, got into it with in a way and, and I don't talk to them anymore. But I think part of the reason um, she is so adamant about scolding people who want to push wearing a mask on social media is because she is literally addicted to consumerism. 
you know, we we want to, you know, I mean, did you see the fucking line for home goods the other day? Home goods. Oh, I know. I had that in my in my city too, where I went. I was I had to go to like the pet store, and it's in the same like shopping plaza. Yeah. And so I, and I saw people like waiting outside to get into yeah, home a goods. Line. A fucking or, line. Or, or to get into Marshalls. Yes. And, and I'm just like, what? Like like what? Like I I'm still in that very like. I haven't gone to a restaurant. Like I still, yeah, some people neither. just need to get out and like do these things. Yeah. I did go, I did go to one eat place, but it was like completely outdoors yeah. and I was like away from everybody. So like, I wasn't too right. concerned, but, but I haven't, I haven't gone to a restaurant, but I have friends yeah. who are liberal who mm-hmm. go, they have already like gone shopping and they've yeah. already gone to like, they wear their mask cause it's required where I am. Right. But like, they go to restaurants and in the, and now we have intake, like in um, restaurant seating, like it's back inside yes, and yes. they're not, obviously you're not wearing your mask when you're eating. And yes. I'm just like, Oh my God. And this you're not is, social distancing from your, no. from your waiter or waitress. No, I'm just, this is, this is all just so bad. It's all going to come back and it's, yeah, I feel like it's going to be worse. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing is, is it's not going to help that. I mean, we've got these protests and there's no stopping them. You know I mean? Th- this needed to happen and it's definitely, I think it's, it's, I hope, and I think that it's going to mark a change in with Black Lives Matter and all of that. I, I, I do really hope that this is going to make a difference. Um, but part of the real concern is a lot of those people, I mean, they were wearing masks. A lot of them were, but a lot of them weren't. And there were cops out there who were not wearing masks. And so there's definitely going to, I think we're going to see a spike in COVID cases. And I'm, I'm not scolding anyone who protested it, but it's just, you know, I understand the need to protest. And I understand this, you know, black people are fucking being murdered and nobody's being held accountable and fucking enough is enough. But it's like now this during this pandemic, it just means that there can be a higher case, you know, higher case count. And then we've got all the rallies coming up for Trump. I know. I, and I, as far as um, the protests, I and it just it just goes to show how important this yes. issue is that people are willing mm-hmm to put their life in danger to speak out for the greater good of everyone that just goes to show like that's how important this Mm -hmm. is whereas a trump rally not so important it just serves one dude who needs to serve his ego yeah yeah and they're not wearing masks no and they're all screaming and they say that that's how it gets passed around it's that you know the droplets that come out of you and if you're standing um six you know it's like this i'm oh i'm gonna be taking not is it this week what week are we in? Is it the 22nd? Yeah. So next week I'm taking off completely. And part of the reason is because one day I'm going to go visit my mom and one day I'm going to go visit my dad, but I'm doing it, you know, it's going to be more than six feet because I'm not wearing a mask. I don't know if you've ever worn a mask in hot weather, but it's fucking, it's it's awful. awful. It's really bad. (laughs) It's really bad. So I'll just be, you know, making sure that we're more than six feet apart but you know we can just sit out on the deck and my mom has a deck and then an underneath part which is where I'll sit because there it won't be direct sunlight so um you know and, and that's with my dad he's got a, like a shaded area in the backyard so I'll be able to go over there and and visit with him and it was I felt sad because you know my brother and sister went over there yesterday they're my half brother and sister and he, you know, he invited me and I just, I said, dad, you know, I love you and I'm going to come visit you next week, but I'm not, I'm not getting in a group of people. I'm just, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And so, I mean, he understands and I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful that my family is not trying to guilt me into shit because it's like, I won't budge. I can be very stubborn. And so, um, 
you know, there's obviously, you know, I, and I also don't, I, I, I'm not into scolding people who, you know, yeah, some people, they have to go to work. They have to, whatever it is they have to do, do we have to keep life going. Um, but there's a smart way to do it. And then there's the American way. And, you know, I saw, I think it was on Thursday night, uh, Chris Hayes, I believe, was talking about how initially both America and Europe were kind of on the same trajectory as far as cases and deaths and everything, which gave us the false sense of, oh, you know, we're not alone. Well, now, in, uh, you know, Europe has got a handle and their curve is flattening and ours is growing. So now we are, you know, uh, we, like, it's us and Brazil and a couple of other countries. Our, our cases are going up. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I hope that, I hope that we have some kind of treatment, you know, whether it's at the end of the year or at the beginning of next year or something. It's like, fucking please, please. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't, you know, what? You know, I know I've seen comments from people on social media saying, I think we're just going to have to live with this. And I and, you know, again, I was talking to my mom today and she was saying like back in in during the Spanish flu, the way that they dealt with it was like, you know, pretty much everyone died uh, who was going to die from it. And the people who didn't, th those are the ones that went on. And it's like, OK, I hope that's not the case. But, I, you know, I have been seeing reports. I don't I don't know if you've seen these reports no peer review, so it's not absolute, but testing in Europe has shown that perhaps people who have type O blood um, have a little bit more protection. Have you seen that? I have, and my wife likes to rub it in my face because she has type O blood, oh and no. then I have I have type A, which means I am more susceptible. Right. Oh, <laughs> that would scare me. I don't want you. It's to a, <laughs> no, I know it scares the crap out of me. I was in Target the other. I was in Target yesterday. I had to go get some stuff, and I'm they they require you wearing masks. I, yeah. First thing I do, I walk in the door. This woman has her mask on around her chin, oh. and she's like talking away, and I like ran away. Yeah. I was like, get away from me. Yeah. I was yeah, like, I mean, nope, I have, not today. I, I, I do have type O. <laughs> and they said, you know, from what I read, it's, I think the supposedly, if this is real, um, the protection is between 9 to like 22% more protected. Or like your body can fight it off and you're less, either, you're either less likely to catch it or if you do catch it, your symptoms aren't as severe. And so, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I, I have, you know, I remember seeing a report about that early on, and then it's just been popping up again. So more and more it's coming out, and I don't know if it was based on that initial thing, but it was just studies that they're doing in Europe, so who knows. But um, I just... Oh, I know. I, it, it panics me, too, because my parents are both A. Wow. But my brother is O, o so I don't know. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm hoping I'm just going to be really careful yeah. and just can keep doing what I'm doing. And that's why I don't go to restaurants. That's why I'm not yeah. doing it. Like, and when I go to the store, I just get what I need and I keep my distance. If somebody yeah. gets close to me, I'll back up. And I don't even care if it seems rude. I don't I know. care. I know. I'm like, nope. <laughs> well, fortunately, I mean, you know, I have a limited, uh, I, I don't go to very many places, but um, the places that I've been to, whether it's like the pharmacy or my grocery store or, you know, no longer, but Petco or something like that. Uh, every, you know, I mean, of course, in Maryland, everybody's required to wear a mask. And so everybody does. Occasionally, I see people wearing it below their nose. And it's like, okay, fine. I know. I love that, that infomer. Like, there's that meme where it shows, like, the guy wearing the it with his, he has his dick out. <laughs> like, this is, this is what you look like if the guy had his underpants and his dick was hanging out. 
I'm like, you look oh stupid. Like, what's the purpose? It's, there's no purpose yes, of that exactly. mask at that point. Oh, my God. And then, and just to make matters worse, have you seen the article that part of, uh, uh, it was, it's like reaching 100 degrees in or near the Arctic. Um, there's a place in Russia, I think it is, um, that is almost 100 degrees. It's one of the coldest towns on Earth. And it's extremely worrying. And the thing is, is it's like, you know, I posted earlier, eventually Trump will be a memory. Eventually COVID will be a memory. But this whole inconvenient truth thing about climate is still here. <laughs> yeah. And what concerns me, too, is like stuff like recycling. People are going to be more single use yeah. um, because they're not going to want, you know, to buy like recycled or reusable materials because right. they're just going to want to be like, just get rid of it. Yeah. So uh, unless we come up with a way to really sterilize things, but like, I, I don't know, you're going to have that, the panic from that. Right. So, I mean, generally speaking, you sterilize something, you can't reuse it, obviously, Yeah. but that doesn't get rid of the fear that people yeah. have. Yes. And people are definitely motivated by fear. I think fear and anger and hatred seem to be stronger motivators than love. I think I think love overcomes all of it, but I think that it takes a while because our our knee jerk reaction is you know it's like I've always said, as far as voting is concerned, people who are comfortable don't bother to vote because they're just not paying as close attention. They don't realize what's at stake. And people who are comfortable with, oh, we've got a, we've got a Democrat, we've got a black president, nothing's gonna happen. And then what happens? They don't go to the midterms and we get a Republican majority in Congress. And yeah. that's fucking bad. <laughs> you know? and yeah. it's like, I'm, still, I'm still mad about 2010. Yes, me too, 2010 and 2014. Yeah, like I, I got so mad. I went to the rally to restore sanity and I was like really hope because it was right before the 2010 election and I was so hopeful that they were going to like get out, help get out yeah. the vote. And not once did they say, remember to vote on Tuesday. Wow. It was just basically like the whole thing was just mocking our system and, and instead of telling people to like take part in it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm still, I'm still mad about it. <laughs> well, I'm just so hopeful that all the people who are protesting who feel like it's worth risking their lives, you know, to go and protest. I hope they show up to the polls and I, I hope that they feel like, okay, I'll risk, you know, because I, I, I'm hopeful that everything happens, you know, that it's the way that it's supposed to happen. We, we, I can use my mail-in ballot, but you know, I don't know if I'm going to get it. And if I don't get it, well, then I'll go wait. I'll go wait in a, in the fucking rain if it's raining. And, you know, I waited in the rain for Obama and I had, oh my God, I had such a terrible backache. I think that was the worst experience I ever had with a backache. I had one for like six weeks and um, it was just so uncomfortable. But I was like, I was going to fucking vote for him. And I, it was raining and my back was killing me. I brought a cane with me and I just stood there and it was like nothing was going to stop me. And we have to have that kind of an attitude this time. You know, it's like, oh, my God, it's got to be. You know, I saw someone yesterday posting about I've heard people say, oh, Biden just doesn't excite me. And they're like, can you get excited about saving America? <laughs> yeah, like, if you're not excited about 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 Biden, maybe you could be excited about preventing fascism. Yeah. Jesus Christ, these people. I mean, I know. Well, you know, he's not my perfect candidate. Yeah. So I think I'll just wait till the next one. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, maybe there won't be a next exactly. one when we live in a fascist state and he gets rid of elections. Yeah. And I mean, we, we are already. Jesus Christ. God only knows what Trump is going to try to pull. Barr and Trump. Oh, my God. We are in so much shit. And then did you hear? I wish I would remember to bring this up at the beginning. But did you hear about on Friday they had the news 
dump on Friday night that there is, um, oh God, I, I wish I had it in front of me. Um, you know, it's, it's Voice, Voice of America and a couple other um, governmental uh, broadcasting, you know, journalistic, uh, whatever, you know, news sites that Trump fired a bunch of them, of people who were, and they're like nonpartisan. They just report straight news. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the journalist is a, is a Democrat or maybe the journalist is a Republican, but they don't have a partisan slant on anything. They have been replaced. A lot of these people have been replaced with fucking Steve Bannon people. And so it's going to be like a Breitbart, Breitbart situation. And this is really fucking bad and really dangerous. And it's like, you know, it's this, as much as I do not like Bill Maher, he is 100% right that the GOP... And, you know, I mean, I don't know, is, is Steve Bannon really conservative? No, but still, it's a slow moving coup to take over this country. It's what it's what Hitler did. And yeah. he's so you, you and it's not even like hyperbole. This is actually right. what happened was like you, you tell everybody that the news is fake. Everything's yeah. fake. You're being lied to. You're being yeah. lied to. You're being lied to. And the only person telling the truth is him. So what he does is he gets all the other media mm-hmm. out of the way, provides his own media. Mm-hmm. And then that's what people believe. And that, you know, he had his propaganda people like Hitler did. And right. so does so, so does Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, it used to be that you couldn't really compare Trump to Hitler because people would say no. And but at this point in the time, I mean, OK, people are not being sent to a gas chamber, but with his specific wanting to ignore COVID, people will die. People and, are dying. And yeah. it's it's yeah, people are dying and will die. And it's his fault. He is, he, it's like, it's like murder, you know, I mean, aside from the fucking people that he's caging and the children that he's caging. It's um, murder by negligence. Yes. He's just, it's like, it's like a parent that doesn't feed their kid and the kid dies. Yeah. They will arrest those parents. Right. Right. And it's he knows what thing. he's doing too, because he's just, his, his, it's not just about, oh, I want better numbers. He knows people will die. He just doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. I swear to God, Don Jr. could die from it. And I don't think he would give a shit. I just don't think he would. And then he's got these fucking MAGA people. There was this older man who was being interviewed. I guess he was waiting to get into the Tulsa rally. And he had a friend who died from COVID. And he was basically like, well, I don't know. Maybe I, you know, maybe I won't get it. But if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to die today, then today's the day I'm going to die. Oh, there are a lot of people that have that mentality. It's really scary. They're like, if it's my time, it's my time. And I'm just like... Oh, well, I don't want it to be my time. So could you step aside? <laughs> <Not really. laughs> like, get Go away. Yeah, <laughs> go, I still like, have some living yourself to off do. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking people. I don't know. It's just, I just always know that when I was a little girl, I, I had this kind of negative view of humanity. And I, I couldn't necessarily, um, I, I didn't, I know I felt it. And as I grew up, it never, ooh. We, oh, it's pouring down rain. I just heard thunder. Um, anyway, it was like I, I, I didn't have the words for it or no, I didn't know how to express it at the time. But as I got older, I, I did have kind of a cynical view toward her humanity. And I look now and I think, you know what? I, I, I understood things pretty well because, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of beauty, obviously, in humanity. But there's so much ugliness and there's so much selfishness. And I really do think that we are going to ignore the climate situation to where eventually, and it probably won't be for another 100 or two, you know, 100 years, 150 years, whatever it is, 
where the climate's just going to say, you know, fuck you. You don't deserve to be here anymore. You're hurting the face of the planet and we're getting rid of you with, yeah. you know, here's the weather that's just going to chase you out. And so, um, you know, weather and climate, I should say, because it's not weather per se, but it is climate. And, um, you know, oh, Mother Earth will reclaim her time. Yes, that is absolutely true. Like we're just creatures on this planet. Yeah. Like, and like then cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, it's like there eventually there could be something like another mass extinction event. Yes. It's happened before. It will happen again. Well, and we're bringing it on. We're causing yeah. it. We could, we had, you know, I mean, I just go back to the 70s when Jimmy Carter put solar panels on the White House and fucking Ronald Reagan comes in and takes them <laughs> takes off. Takes them off. You know, if, <laughs> if, if he would have gone in that same uh, if in that same direction and, you know, really gotten into wind and solar and all that stuff. Boy, what a different country we'd be right now. But then where's all that money for their I oil pals that, that, that bought their election? <laughs> I know. Short term <laughs> thinking wins again. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we should wrap up. And um, I do once again want to thank you um, for being on. You know, it's it's been tough. And so to just talk a little bit about politics and stuff helps to make things feel normal. So thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. So uh, I know I always ask you this, but do it again. Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on all the social medias at Sarah Wood Writer. And my um, website is sarahwoodwriter.com. Awesome. And that's Sarah with an R. So um, Sarah uh, with, a, with an H. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. Sarah with an H. Duh. Yeah. My brain. All right. It's all good. <laughs> Take care and we will see you. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Wow, it's really coming down out there. It's just pouring, pouring rain. Um, yeah, so it's 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 been tough, and I I'm I'm again very grateful for everybody who has been so sweet and kind during this time of me dealing with Miranda. And um, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's so much going on right now. There are so many things to be concerned about and stressed about. So the one thing I am grateful for as far as Miranda is I no longer have that never ending stomach ache of worry. I know that she is not suffering and that ugh, it's such a relief. It's not a relief to not have her around, but it's a relief to not have to worry. So, um, uh, you know, I just, I, I, again, I just, I appreciate the support and the kindness that, that so many people, um, have expressed. And just a little side note, um, I want to say this is just so sweet to me that um, James Reynolds is a man that I worked with on Days of Our Lives. He played the police chief, um, Abe Carter, if you ever watched. And, and he was always so super kind. And he follows me on Twitter and he likes what I have to say. And so, you know, he'll like my tweet. He doesn't necessarily retweet me because he doesn't post about politics. But um, a couple funny stories about him. Number one, there was a, a, a time where I, I can't remember. It was, it was when I was on the show. So I was on the show from 1996 to 2002. So it, it might have been, you know, I don't know. One of those times I found out they were going to do an online Q&A with uh, James Reynolds. So I was like, okay, I'm going to totally go there and, and mess with him. So, and, you know, I mean, it was just an it was it it wasn't like a visual it was just people would type in their questions and then the host would ask James a question then everything was typed out so they got to me and and you know i didn't my name wasn't displayed but i said something like because he he was the chief of police and i was a police officer on the show so i i 
asked my question was something like, "Yeah, when are you when are you going to ditch Lexi, who was the his wife on the show?" I said, "When are you going to ditch Lexi and hook up with that hot, tall, blonde cop?" And he and he he just wrote, "Hello, Kimberly." <laughs> he knew it was me. And then um, the other th- funny thing was we were doing a scene together, and and the script. Um, had named you know in the script my name was Martha I was playing a police officer but they gave me the name Martha and I was like no 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 I don't want that name I want a different name so all day long I'm trying to come up with names and I and I would tell him I'd be like okay my name's gonna be uh, Nicole and then I'd go up to him an hour later I'm like no 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 not Nicole forget Nicole now I, I want you to call me Nancy or whatever it was like I, I I kept changing my mind and I kept going up to him and saying, oh, wait, 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 now call me Natalie. And so I gave him so many different names and confused him so so sufficiently that when we actually did the scene, he just called me Kim, which cracks me up because anyway, I was always known as Kimberly. But he uh, quote tweeted me and sent me a very nice message about Miranda. And it really touched me because of all the people um, you know, from days of our lives, I, I, I had good experiences with most. There was a couple of them that were assholes, but you know, that's going to happen anywhere. But I mean, most people on that show were just really cool, but he was, he was always somebody that I respected and I really liked. And he was always so nice to me and, um, just treat, you know, I mean, sometimes I was what was considered an under five, which meant that most of the time I was hired as somebody who had five lines or less. Occasionally, I would be hired as a day player where I got more than five lines. But, you know, majority of times that I was hired, I was under five. And so there's a hierarchy. You know, if you're an extra, the people who have lines look down on the people who are extras and the people who are contract players. It's, you know, it's like a hierarchy. And, oh, I'm better than you because. And so I always understood my place. And there were certain people on the show that liked to you know, prove that they were more important than just the lowly under five actors. And so he never did that. He never, ever, ever, ever acted like he was superior in any way. He was just super cool. And so um, it really touched me that he, you know, was very sweet. And he just basically said 16 years, you know, just, you know, I know this is a hard time for you, but remember all the smiles that you had. And so it it really does mean a lot. And it's just, um, boy, this one's, this one's a tough one. This one's a tough one. But that's it. I'm not going to be updating you, obviously, anymore. Now we're going to have a period where there's no kitties, but you'll get all the kitten updates because I can only imagine I have had not the best experiences with kittens, even with Miranda. She was a uh, problem child at the start. She had chlamydia, and she gave chlam- which is an upper respiratory in cats. It's not a sexually transmitted disease. But um, she gave chlamydia to, to my 10-year-old, and my 10-year-old was misdiagnosed and almost died. And I found this really great vet who saved her life. But, um, oh, my God, the drama. And then the 10-year-old, when I first got her, she she was so pretty. She was white and fluffy and absolutely gorgeous. And her name was Pearl. I named her Pearl Earl Weisenheimer. And Earl comes from my grandfather, who was named Earl, so Pearl Earl. But anyway, uh, she was so sweet and cute during the day. And, you know, I got her when she was about three months old and just a little angel. And then at night, she was a fucking terror. And it was like, I would go to bed, and that's when she would wake up, and she was just like all about about knocking shit down and she, she would jump up on my bed and go and then jump and then she would like tear off and 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 it would keep me awake and finally after like a year I just barely getting any sleep I, I had a conversation with her I I was pissed so I put her on my lap and I held the scrunch of her neck and I would push down on her nose and I'm like now you have to listen to me 
I was like, you are not the one who makes the rules in this home. It is me. And I mean, I wasn't mean to her, but I was very, very serious. And she's looking at me and I'm pushing down on her nose because I, I read somewhere that like um, somehow that it's a, it's a show of authority or something like that. And so we had this conversation and it was a good long conversation. And it was crazy because after that, she pretty much calmed down. The only thing that she did was at five o'clock in the morning, she would wake me up. And if I, if I fed her, she was okay. If I didn't feed her, she'd go into that and, you know, running around and everything. But then eventually, you know, I don't know, we did like maybe six months or three months or whatever it was of the feedings at 5 a.m. And then it stopped and she just became a normal cat. And, um, you know, it's like with Bob talking about getting a kitten. Uh, the, the sofa that we have right now is absolutely going to have to be replaced because it is the kind of material that is one big scratching pad. And I've noticed that cats will, like some material is more, um, you know, some of it is more of like a scratching post to them and, and alluring to them and some isn't. So it's like kind of like that velour plushy material is less... Um, I can't, the word is escaping me, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like they, they're not as attracted to it. So we're going to have to find, we're going to have to get another couch. And, um, but I can only, <laughs> my mom said, maybe Bob better pick out the cat because I have a tendency to pick out the problem child. But you know, I did pick out my mom's cats, both Simon and Jesse. Uh, I went to, we were, you know, uh, we went to the, uh, rescue place and, and I can't think of the proper name for it, but, um, you know, we were, I remember we were driving up and we saw that it was basically a two for one deal. And so my mom was only going to get one cat, but then it turns out that it was, you could get two and she got two and I picked them out and I named them. Although we got, it was Simon and Jesse and Jezebel, Jezebel. Oh my God. She's so beautiful. She's this gorgeous black panther cat. And she was so funny because first I saw Simon, but we thought Simon was a girl. Simon was marked as a girl, um, by accident. And Simon is white, is white and kind of like, um, has those tabby marks on him and he's fluffy and he's just the cutest little thing ever. And, uh, so, he was terrified. He was this tiny little kitten and maybe only two months old and just terrified. And so I wanted Simon. And then we saw Jesse and I saw Jezebel and she was laying in this cage all by herself. And she was unlike the other cats in that she was just like, she reached very slowly and seductively over to where I was like, Oh, hi. And that was her whole demeanor. And it was like, I have to have this cat. And at the time I had, I was living with my mom. So, uh, we did, I did get to live with Simon and Jesse for a while, but now they're just with her. And now I only have visitation and it sucks because I just wish I could go over there and visit with the cats, but I don't want to, you know, put all my droplets all over them and get my mom sick. So I'm just going to have to be cool and calm and see what happens. And, you know, as far as Bob is concerned, I, I see him getting closer and closer every day to wanting a new cat. And I know my father is ordering me not to get a new cat. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm 50, I'll be 52 in July. It's not up to you whether I get a new cat. But I think what he wants is he wants me and Bob to go on vacation with him and, and my stepmom to the Bahamas. But it's like, Bob and I are not that, we are so not let's go vacation with the parents kind of people. But um, who the hell knows what's going to happen. And hopefully... Um, you know, I mean, we're not going to be able to do it during COVID anyway. So, 
Oh, the animals. We love the animals so much. All right, so don't forget, on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking to Brooklyn Dad Defiant. He's been on um, Stephanie Miller show. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him. I followed him on Twitter forever, and he's super cool and super nice, and I'm so excited that he's going to be on. So look forward to that show on Wednesday, and Steph and I will also be seeing you on Thursday for a patrons-only show, the second one of the month. So that's going to be it for today. See you next time. Stay safe.